to the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You can be seated. I've entitled this message today, The Last Word. The last word, I, I got to admit something to you today. Um, when I was a child, and it is even trinkled into my adulthood life, I've always had a problem. I love getting in the last word. No matter if it was my siblings, friends, whoever it was, I, I just love getting in the last word. You want to debate, you want to argue. It didn't matter. I'm going to get in the last word somehow or another. And I, I had that mindset. And I remember I was doing it to everybody. And one day I tried it with my mother. And I discovered that my articulation of words wasn't good enough. And my reflex wasn't fast enough to remove myself from her hand coming upside my head. And I still suffer somewhere in this region right here from 30 years ago when I tried that with my mother. But I love getting in the last word. I can't lie. So can you imagine me and my siblings or my friends, whoever it was, we were arguing over whatever it may have been. And, and we'd say, I'd say this, they'd say that. I, they'd say, I'd say this, they'd say that. And then when words ran out, we had this bad habit of saying, huh. So them in return would be like, huh, huh. And me in return would be, huh, 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 huh. And they would do it again, and we'd keep going until one of us got tired and quit. I used to be bad about that, and then I got married and thought I was done, but I discovered that I still love getting in the last word. You want to argue with last word, Terrence? <laughs> and I've discovered that that was a problem because I still like getting in the last word. However, I thank God through grace, God is able to transform us into his glorious image. And I say this all the time, there's a difference between being saved and being transformed. A lot of folks are saved, but everybody's not being transformed. So when, when somebody tells you they're saved, ask them, have you been transformed? It's a good thing to ask them. And saints of God... What I've discovered is there is an enemy of our faith 
who at every interval loves to try to twist and manipulate the word of God to get the last word in with us. And he's so good at it that even in our thoughts and our thinking, he wants to get the last word in that a situation, an ailment, a doctor's appointment, a wayward child, a divorce, an argument is the last word. He did it with Eve in the Garden of Eden. He shows up to Eve and he says, what did God say? And Eve responds and tells him what God said. And he says, is that what God said? And we know the fall of man takes place right after that. Watch this. He even tried it with Jesus in the wilderness. Second temptation. He takes Jesus up on the high pinnacle and says, jump, Jesus, jump. The word says that God will give his angels charge over you lest you dash your foot against the stone and Jesus, who was the word, then uses the word correctly and rebukes the devil. So if Jesus, who was the word, used the word, what do you and I have to do? We got to use the word even more. Hallelujah. And this is amazing because as Christians, as believers, we got to understand this today that we always get the last word in with the devil. We always do because our Lord, our Jesus, he did he beat Satan with an old bloody back called Calvary over 2,000 years ago. And when the enemy shows up to remind you of your past, because there's many of us who are still dreaded by our past, even though we've been redeemed. Do you really understand what being redeemed is all about? The Bible says that we ought to say so. Those whom he's redeemed from the hands of the enemy ought to say so. If God has redeemed you, that means God has taken your past and thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be brought up again. So you need to stop reminding God of what you did if you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Amen? And so when Satan shows up to remind you of your past and your present, you need to say, okay, devil, I got you. You keep talking about my past and my present, but I know your future according to the word, and I know my future. My future looks a whole lot better than yours. We get in the last word. Give God a hand clap of praise for that. And so today, high praises. I fully understand contextually the text that we read. I fully understand it. And my assignment is not to preach just to be superficial. Not to be super Christian and fake and phony. That's not my assignment. My assignment is not to preach eschatology. I'm not here to preach on end time events and, and events that are to come. That's not my assignment today. My assignment is not to fully talk about death, even though it's in the text today. More so, my assignment is to encourage us as a body of believers that no matter what and where you find yourself at in the short life we have, no matter what death situations you may be facing, as a Christian, you must be rooted and grounded in the fact that everything in Christ Jesus is going to be all right. Can you point at a few folks around you and tell them everything is, is going to be all right? Go ahead, operate, tell them it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. The Apostle Paul, while he was living, found himself tested in three different areas. And he penned this to us as a testimony, the mindset that you and I should have in these same three areas. The first area, they came to Paul 
and they said, Paul, we're going to let you live. And Paul, Philippians 1.21, Clause 8 says, cool, to live is Christ. They say, okay, Paul, area two, we're going to kill you. Paul said, okay, cool, Philippians 1.21, Clause B, to die is gain. They say, okay, Paul, since you're not so nonchalant about area one and area two, here's the third area, Paul. We're going to let you live, but we're going to make you suffer. Paul says, that's cool too, Romans 8, 18, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed into me. Paul says, I tell you what, if I live, it's Christ. If I die, it's Christ. If I die and suffer, if I live and I suffer, it's going to be all right. Bring it on. It's Jesus no matter what. That's where Paul summed his life up at, and that is the same thing, brothers and sisters, that you and I must do also in this life that we live. God wants us settled in our souls. He wants us confident, and watch this, constantly standing on the word of God. He wants us constantly standing on the word of God no matter what. As a matter of fact, in the same Philippian text that I just mentioned Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you go down two verses, Paul came to a startling, to me startling, revelation about his own life that I said in the first service, I don't know if I'm quite ready to say what Paul said, but this is the conclusion that Paul comes to in Philippians. If you go down to verse 23 through 25, he says, I don't even know what to choose. I don't know if I want to die, if I want to live. He says, but I know that all of you still need me. This is why I'm sure I will stay on to help you to grow and be happy, but I don't know what to choose. I could keep on living and doing something useful, but it's a hard choice to make. Paul says this, I personally want to die and go be with Jesus. This is what Paul said because he says this would be much better. You're talking about a soul that was resting and at peace with Jesus Christ. Paul was like, it's Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noonday, Jesus in the evening hour. It doesn't matter what comes, what goes. My life is summed up in serving Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 2. He says, for I have determined not to know anything among you except Jesus and him crucified. But Paul, but Paul, Paul, who did you hear? Paul said, I don't want to hear nothing but Jesus and him crucified. I've determined not to know anything among you. Paul, I got something to tell you. Paul said, what is it? Because I've determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Can I suggest to us today that if that was our attitude and mindset in life, maybe we wouldn't have so much mess going on in our lives. Amen got to give you a personal testimony of something that happened to me, real life story. No joke, my mother was a, a born-again believer when I was 13. My mother was a Baptist girl baptized in the Holy Ghost when I was a kid. I didn't know what speaking in tongues and all that was, but boy, she would go in her prayer closet and she'd be pleading the blood of Jesus and praying for her children and all these different things and and, and, and one day, 
One day she, she, she ministered to me and said, boy, you need to give your, give your life to Christ. And, and I'm like, okay, cool, mom. I'm just enjoying life. I'm just chilling. I'll do it one day, mom. You know how we all do that. And I go to work. Boss man had been riding me for a whole week. And I'm angry now. I'm in the world. I'm unsaved. When you're unsaved, you do unsaved things. So I'm mad at my boss man, and I got this secret on my boss man, and I'm like, I'm telling. I'm telling. I'm just like a big kid. I'm telling. You're going to mess with me. I'm telling on you. And I'll never forget, I had this, this, this brother who was unsaved at one season, but he got converted, and now he's living for Jesus. And, and, and I, I go to Jeff, and I say, Jeff. I said, what's going on, bro? He said, oh, I'm doing good, Terrence. I said, Jeff, let me ask you something. I said, man, what if your boss man was riding you and, and messing with you and, and you knew the secret on your boss man and, 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 and all these things? I said, Jeff, what would you do? And I'll never forget. Jeff took a deep sigh. Terrence, let me ask you something. If you died tonight, where would your soul go? I said, Jeff, that ain't, that ain't what I asked you. <laughs> you know what I did? I said, all right, Jeff, deuces, I'm out of here, bro. I'll holler at you later. And I ran off and hid around a corner because tears began to stream down my face because the conviction of the Holy Ghost got a hold of me. Why? Because Jeff wouldn't answer the way I wanted him to answer me. He answered me the way the kingdom wanted him to talk to me. And maybe if we start talking kingdom to people instead of foolishness, maybe we start seeing a lot of folks get saved because I got news for you. Just a week later, I found myself down on my knees, tears streaming down my face, crying out to Jesus to save me on April 17th, 1994. I gave my life to the Lord and it was because of my mom and my boy knows it. It was because of Jeff telling me where would my soul go if I died that night. Hallelujah, somebody. Jeff had concluded that I'm determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So I'm not here to fully talk about death today, which is what our text deals with. But saints of God, it's going to happen to every single one of us, us one day. It's going to happen to every single one of us. We all got to face it. It's nothing, as believers, it's, it's nothing to fear. It's going to happen to our loved ones. And personally, I don't think there's any preparation for it, no matter how long we got. Death is going to invade the reins of our very beings. It's going to happen one day. So here's a few facts for us today. And I've quoted this from this pulpit before. Maybe the last time I preached, you'll remember this for those that were here, but it is a good statement from a, a well-noted author, the late Dr. Miles Monroe, who wrote in one of his books, and this is what he said. He said, the richest place in the world is the graveyard. Those who've gone through growth tracks, step three, hear me talk about this all the time. And he says, on every tomb, there's a beginning date, there's a line, a hyphen, and then there's the ending date. And he said, that line represents your lifeline. What did you do from the beginning to the end? 
And he said, I want to suggest to you the reason that the grave is the richest place because most people never tap into their full potential to become everything that God made them to be. And I don't know about you, saints of God, but listen to me today. If I don't encourage you to do anything else, do whatever you must do to fulfill your God-given assignment here on earth because none of us knows the day or the hour when our time is up. None of us knows, but when it's up, I don't know about you, I want to make sure that I die empty. I want to make sure that I've given God my all in my life that I've had. Like Paul says in 2 Timothy 4 and 6, Paul says this, he says, I'm ready to be poured out like a drink offering. Wow. Paul says, I've, I've ran the race. I've finished my course. I've, I've kept the faith. Henceforth, it's laid up for me a crown of glory. And here's a few facts for us today. Life is short. Life is short. This is why we don't have time for foolishness in our lives. Life is short compared to eternity, compared to time. Life is short. Genesis 6 and 3, just a few scriptures here. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. For he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. We don't live to see that. More so, Psalm 90.10 is what we live to see. And the, and the Bible says, and, and this was because of the rebellion of the Israelites. The Bible says the days of our lives are three score, ten years, 70 years, four score, giving good health. And then he goes on and says, yet their boast is only of labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Job, one of the poetic books of the Bible, Job's song, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Songs of Song. Job lost everything, and I can understand, my bro, because when you go through some hardships in life, most of us would do what Job did. A lot of what Job wrote was out of his emotions, was out of his emotions, and sometimes when you're going through things, you need to not speak, not say anything, just deal with it for the moment and settle down and then finally say something. But Job writing out of his emotions, this is what he says. Job 14, 1, 2, he says, man who is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Can I suggest to us today that if life is full of troubles, don't do any self-inflicted storms and cause more troubles to come on the troubles that you already have. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 15, come now, you who say to, today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city and spend a year there, buy, sell, make a profit, whereas, watch this, we, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For, this is what James says, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. I remember old school folks, especially baby boomers and matures, they used to always say this, if the Lord's will, I'll see you tomorrow. If the Lord's will, I'll see you next week. They understood what James was talking about because he says, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we shall do this or we should do that. And I think sometimes we forget that as we live life, that God knows the days 
of our years and while we celebrate life. And my family, we quote it every day. God, we will live and not die to tell of your wonders, to tell of your glory and your works, God. We quote it every day. Why? Because we want to live. But we do understand that we all got to go one day. And I remember in the early to mid-90s, one gospel songwriter wrote a hit song. And this hit song that he wrote swarmed, especially the black Baptist churches. They were singing the song everywhere you went. And the song was entitled, He'll Welcome Me. And at the opening of the song, this is what the songwriter said. He said, I'm living this life just to live again. Talking to the body of believers. I'm living this life just to live again. This is temporal. This, I'm going to go through some things. I'm going to deal with some trials. Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. What Jesus is saying, I want to introduce you to the other side as a body of believers. And on the other side of this, there's glory that's going to come your way. Hallelujah. And praise God, Paul, under the inspiration of God, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. This is what Paul says. He says in Romans 8, verse 22 and 23, he introduces us to this word, groan. Verse 23, Paul says, we groan, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. He's dealing with going from sufferings to glory. This is why 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 says, For our light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us an eternal glory that for our ways them all. That's why we don't fix our eyes on what we see, for what we see is temporary, but what we can't see, who we can't see, our God is unseen. He is the eternal one. Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 2, he says, We groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. You don't find too many Christians that's talking like this, like Paul was talking, but Paul was like, God, I'm groaning. I can't wait, God. I see what you've done. This word groan in, in the Greek text is, is, is simple and plain. It's a sigh of, oh, God, you've been so good to me. And God, I'm living in this world, and I'm doing what you want me to do, but I can't wait to get to the other side where I can be with you forever. I love using a, 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 a more of a flesh idea of this word groan. You ever been outside in the yard working all day, sweating, tired, and your spouse is in the house cooking your favorite meal, and the door opens, and all of a sudden the aroma comes out, and you be like, "Woo!" I smell that goody-goody. Ooh, I can't wait to eat. Stomach may be growling. You hungry and tired. And, and all of a sudden, you groaning to get to that place at the table where you can eat. And Paul says, we're groaning for the second coming of Jesus. We can't wait to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. Hallelujah. Are you groaning today for Jesus to come back and get you? Hallelujah. Because if we're not, maybe we're caught up in the cares of this world. And don't get me wrong, while I'm living, I want to live. But this is not it. This is why the Bible says, set your affection on things above where rust and moth can't break in and decay. Hallelujah. But if you got your affections on things down here on earth, guess what? 
rot, rot, rust and moth will break in and destroy it. Can I just give a call to the righteous today, saints of God? Listen to me. Matthew 9, 37 says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Yes, Jesus is coming back one day soon, but there's still folks that you know that need to be saved. Hallelujah. There's still folks on your job that need you to become a workforce Christian. Hallelujah, somebody. And tell of the goodness of God at work and tell of the goodness of God no matter where you go. There's still work to be done as long as we got this breath in our bodies. I want to encourage you as we're living in these last days, whatever you're dealing with, whether you've lost a loved one, whether life situations are rough, whether they're presenting to you death situations, listen to me, listen to me, listen to the Holy Ghost more so. This is not the last word. God wants to encourage somebody in this room today with that fact. Whatever it may be, it's not the last word. Because our text today says, hallelujah. And I read it from New King James. But I like reading parallel versions and seeing a few other things in the Bible. And one of the versions that caught my eyes was the Message Bible. And I just want to read the first two verses there. Listen at, from the Message Bible. I love what he says. He says, and regarding the question, friends, that has come about, what happened to those already dead and buried? We don't want you to be in the dark any longer. First off... You must not carry on a sorrow over them like people who have nothing to look forward to or like people who have no hope. As if, watch this, the grave were the last word. Since Jesus died and broke loose from the grave, God will most certainly bring back to life those who died in Jesus Christ. And so, watch this, God does not want us Hallelujah. Living in darkness concerning our loved ones who serve Jesus, who live for Jesus and have gone on. So quickly, let me reverse this, this text right quick and, and read it backwards for a second. Watch this. He says, when we die in Jesus, God will certainly bring us back to life. Because Jesus broke loose from the grave, and disclaimer, he's talking to Christians here. Amen. He's talking to the saints. He says, the grave is not the last word. Death is not the last word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. I feel the presence of God. This is why I don't sorrow. We don't sorrow concerning these matters and carry on like people who have no hope. And have nothing to look forward to. Don't you miss it? Yes, we do sorrow. But he said, we don't sorrow like folks who don't have any hope. My God. There's been many of my loved ones that have died and gone on to be with Jesus. But boy, when I know they serve Jesus, there were tears streaming down my face. But there was a hallelujah at the same time. Because I know I'm going to miss him down here, but one day. I'm going to see him on the other side. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. So we don't sorrow like those who don't have 
any hope. As a matter of fact, the text text goes on and it tells us, watch this, Jesus himself is going to descend one day with a shout with the the voice of the archangel and and he says the dead in Christ are going to rise first. (laughs) And those of us who remain will be caught up in the twinkling of an eye. This is what you call Heaven's Airlines, Flight 16 and Flight 17. I don't know which flight we all going to be on, but we're going to be on one of them as believers. If you're here today and you're not saved, you better hope you get saved before it's too late so that you can be on either Flight 16 or Flight 17 because in Flight 16, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. In Flight 17, those of us who remain shall be caught up in the twinkling of an eye. Now, what are you dealing with today? What are you facing in your life today? What is, what is taking on the form of death in your situations today? Again, the Holy Spirit wants you to be encouraged that this is not the last word. I, I, got, I got to go, but, but, but listen to me. I thought about Moses And I want to encourage you with this thought about Moses today. Moses has a question for God. I think it's a legitimate question. In Exodus, Moses says, God, all gods have names. And God, when I go to Pharaoh, I need to be able to tell him who sent me. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I know you're a person, but I need to know your name. I'm a Hebrew. I've heard of you. You're the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, but I, I don't know your name because, Pastor Chris, I can tell how well some people know me based on what they call me. <laughs> Praise God. I, I, I was born bred. As far as my, my Christian walk with God, Baptist, uh, God in Pentecostal, a few years later, some Baptist, right? And, and in the Baptist church, they, they love calling pastors reverend. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where it came from, but they, they do, right, Sheikha? They, they love calling reverend, pastor, forward, reverend Terrence, reverend forward. And praise God for all of you who know me as Terrence, Pastor Terrence, um, um, Pastor Ford, whatever you call me. But I do have a past that I told you earlier I got saved from. And sometimes I can tell well, how well some people know me based on what they call me. Sometimes when I'm in Walmart, when I'm at Barlow, when I'm at Ingalls, I hear this. T Ford! Terrence Ford, that's my name. In my unsaved life, people call me T. Ford. That lets me know they know me in a different light. It don't mean I don't respond to it anymore. I've just been transformed. I still remember everything as it relates to T. Ford. But now I'm saved. And they know me in a different way, so... When it comes to you and your walk with God, 
in whatever death situations you're dealing with, whether you've lost a loved one or whether you're dealing with death in marriage, death in life, death with struggles or whatever it may be, I can tell how well you know God based on what you call him. So when you call him a healer, that lets me know you know him in a different way. When you call him deliverer, that lets me know you know God in a different way. When you call him waymaker, that lets me know that your back was up against the wall, but he opened a door that no man can shut, and he made a way out of no way. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. Based on what you call him, watch this, because there's always a story attached to your revelation of his name. Oh, my God. There is always a story attached to your revelation of what you call God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so Moses is like, God, I need to know your name. And so God doesn't give us incomplete information. He gives us incremental information based on what season we're at. Watch this. Moses, tell him I am. This little next piece, kudos to Dr. Daniels. It's not me. It's Dr. Daniels. I got this. I'm not going to plagiarize, even though if you got eyes, you plagiarize. And, you know, anyway. I'm talking to preachers now. I'm talking to preachers. And it's a joke, okay? Don't throw me under the bus. It's a joke, Pastor. Pastor knows it's a joke. <laughs> but kudos to Dr. Daniels. This is what he said. When it comes to I am, he says, when, 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 when he said I am, he says I am, not I was. I am. I exist in an eternal state of isness. I never was. I already am what I will be. I just is. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> Dr. Daniels goes on and says, I was, is in the was because I'm always who I will be. And I'm always who I used to be. I'm immutable. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I was a way maker. I am a way maker. I was a heart fixer. I am a heart fixer. Tell them, Moses, I am. So, now, it's me. This is, his name is Jehovah, right? It's Yahweh, but Jehovah is his covenant name. It's almost a prefix. So, right now, all you need to know is my covenant name. Jehovah, watch this. I covenant to be blank in your life. Jehovah is the most important part because the proclamation of the name is the revelation of my commitment to be what you fill in the blank with. Did you hear what I just said? So in whatever you're going through in your life, I'm here to challenge somebody to get you a bigger vernacular of who your God is. And when you need him in a certain way, begin to call on him in that new vernacular so he can show up in that way in your life. Hallelujah. Because God says, I swear by myself because I can swear nothing greater that I will be blank. Whatever you fill the blank in with. So whatever you need for me to be, I covenant to be that for you. Because I'm so ex uh, ex exhaustive. I can't even fill in the blanks for you. Watch this. I got to, 
Wait till you get in a situation for you need that blank to be filled. And based on what you call me, I'll be that. So some people in this room may need him right now as Jehovah Jireh. That means he is my God who provides. Somebody may need him as Jehovah Nisi, my banner. Somebody may need him as Jehovah Shalom. Based on what you call him, lets me know how well you need him, which means I'll be the God of peace in your life. Whatever you need for me to be, this is what God says as I get ready to close. My Lord and my God commits to us that I will become just that. Whatever you need for me to be. So saints of God, when we die in Christ, the grave is not the last word. But also, whatever giants you're facing right now in your life, God told me to stop by here to tell somebody this morning, who's ever watching right now, live streaming this service, God wants you to know this is not the last word. Whatever you're going through, hallelujah, whatever you're facing, it's not the last word. But in the meanwhile, this is what God is saying. I want you to serve me with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Don't let the giants you're facing deter you from what you owe me. I've called you, I've appointed you, I've anointed you. Now do what you're supposed to do. And do it with excellence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I'm going to be with you. And God says, in the midst of it all, saints of God, I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I've always been there. Somebody need to give him a hand clap of praise for that. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've discovered, and I think it was about two years ago, I heard a pastor preach this at the end of one of his messages. And I had already did a word study on this. But after Jesus rose from the grave, resurrected, went to heaven, the early church, they had this phrase that they would use. And I don't know if the church has gotten too far away from it. But they would say, and it was a prayer, they would say, Lord Maranatha. Lord Maranatha. Lord Maranatha is a word that means come quickly, Lord. Come quickly, Lord. Yes, I'm living. Yes, I got family. Yes, I got a life. Yes, I got a career. But Lord Maranatha, I thank you for all this, but I'm looking forward to one day where this corruptible <laughs> is going to put on incorruption. Glory to God. I'm looking forward to a day when all of this is going to be over. And I'm going to go and live with Jesus and be with him forever. That's why 1 Corinthians 16, 22 says, If anyone down, uh, if anyone down do, does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be a curse. And then it says there, O Lord, come. The phrase, Aramaic phrase was Lord Maranatha. Lord, come quickly. Come and get us, Jesus. We thank you for life, health, and strength standing on your feet. But, God, I'm looking forward to a day 
but you come back and give me my new body. Pastor Evan and I, we chopped it up this week, a lot of theological talk. And I thought I was going to go deeper into this thing, but I just felt the Lord telling me to go this route. Stand on your feet with me today. Listen, saints of God, I don't know who I'm talking to in this room. But there's an anointing in this room to let somebody know it's not the last word. The situation is not the last word. The circumstance, not the last word. The trial, the tribulation, not the last word. Can we touch and agree in this room? COVID is not the last word. Do I have any witnesses in the house today? This too shall pass. Hallelujah. And I feel the same anointing that I felt in the first service. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but as you heard me mention in this message once or twice, he's talking to the saints. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, this is a defining moment for your life. You need to repent of your sins. And you need to ask Jesus to come in. You need to tell him, Father, I am so sorry for the way I've lived. So sorry for the things I've done. And I acknowledge you, Jesus, as Lord, as Savior. And I confess every sin and ask you to come into my heart and ask you to save me. Just that simple. If you pray that, you're saved. But then to somebody else in this room that's going through and you feel the weight of it bearing down on you, God wants you to know I've never left you and I've never forsaken you. I'm right here with you. And in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Jesus says, I've overcome. <laughs> Can we just give him a hand clap of praise that he's overcame everything that we'll ever go through? For we have not a high priest who can sympathize with the feeling of our infirmities, but at every point was tempted just as we are yet. He was without sin. Ah, woo, I feel the anointing of God. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace. Hallelujah. That we may receive help in time of trouble. Who am I talking to in this room today? I pray that the Lord touch your situation. I pray that the Lord lift the burden right now. I pray that the Lord gives you the freedom because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hallelujah. I pray that a heavy spirit of encouragement come on your heart and you lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors, and let the King of glory have his way in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, put those hands together and give our great God some praise. 
in this room. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.